0: on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. So I, I've been a professional chef for over 17 years, and I, I boiled it down to two things of what I've learned around health. If it's easy and it's delicious, you'll do it.
1: Hey guys, if you know anything about me at all, you know I'm always trying to improve my health. Always and always. I don't just want to live longer. I want to live healthier longer. And there is one thing, one thing that I do every single day. And that is I take a scoop of HMO powder from Layer Origin. What is HMO powder? This is human milk oligosaccharides. It's a specialized carbohydrate that actually strengthens your gut lining. The benefits are amazing. I first learned about this from my health and wellness mentor, Joel Green. He's been on the podcast. He's the author of The Immunity Code. Fantastic, wicked smart guy. The more I learn, the more I understand that every single thing with relation to managing glucose levels, maintaining insulin sensitivity, it all starts with the gut, and HMO powder is a key ingredient to that. So Here's what I want you to do. Go to jasonrightnow.com slash jason-recommends. Then go smash that nutrition button, and it's going to take you right to Layer Origin site where you can order your own HMO powder. And by doing so, you will be supporting the Jason Wright Show, and I will be so grateful. And so will you. So will your health, and so will your gut. Go. (laughs) Go. James Berry, man. How are you doing, brother? So glad to have you on the show.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure.
1: All right. So I'm really excited about this because the timing's perfect for our our mutual friend, James Quandall to introduce us. And I'm going to tell you why. I want to start adding more organ meats into my my feeding protocol, whatever you want to call it, my nutritional base, just because of all the, the nutritional benefits of it and everything. And I was talking to James about it and he said, you know, hey, you should talk to my the guy that was just on my show not too long ago, the the founder of Pluck, which is a company that makes spices with organ meats. So I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Cause I think anybody listening that's ever wanted to kind of dive off into consuming organ meats, they realize that's just it, it's just kind of hard to get past the potential taste. It's the idea of it. Uh, they'd rather just watch a Liver King bite into bull testicles with his shirt off, you know, and, and just leave it at that. Just be entertained by it. So, so I guess the first place to start is, as a, and I know you, you've got. To, I want to hear about you being a chef, and then how did this whole thing come about with you? How, where what are the origins of Pluck?
0: So i have been a professional chef for over seventeen years, and I I boiled, boiled it down to two things of what I've learned around health. If it's easy, and it's delicious, you'll do it. And if I don't hit those two marks, it's going to be a fad, or it's going to be something you try for a week, and then it falls off. But I, I've never been interested in snake oil, like I've never. i never I want, I really want to help people. And I believe that the things that we can convert into our lifestyle, are the ways that I would be able to help someone. So if I just help you, if I say, oh, hey, here's a new shake. Uh, you should try this and it tastes gross. And you're like, ah, it's, but is it helping me? Okay, I'll try. So you do it for a week. Well, I don't feel like it really helped you. Even, you know what I mean? Like, even if you did it for a month, even if you did it for a year, I don't feel like it really helped you. Like, I want it to be something that you, it, I, like I call pluck the Netflix of seasoning. Like, I want you to just go on autopilot with it where it's effortless it's so delicious that you want it, that you crave it. And then now you're no longer thinking about, oh, this is a healthy product. You're just thinking about, I love this stuff. I'm going to use it. To me, when I can get you to do that, then I have achieved the holy grail of health, which is health now is a lifestyle, not just like some left brain conscious choice. Amen.
1: Love it. I love it. And you know, the thing I like about that is that have You ever read any of BJ Fogg's work on tiny habits or any of that stuff?
0: It's
1: he, no, okay. Well, essentially, you just stumbled upon it. It, it when you're trying to create a habit. BJ Fogg, which he created the Fogg um habit model, James Clear, a lot of the atomic habits is based on BJ Fogg's work. And one of the things is exactly what you just said, man, if you will make it easy and you if you'll make it's, he, and, and the BJ Fogg behavior model, and I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but you just, it's like so cool because you have confirmed the, the hypothesis. If you will lo- increase the motivation, you make it taste good, and you will lower the difficulty, you make it easier, then boom, you have the sweet spot. And it sounds like that's exactly what you applied to the principle of organ meats. And so, well, let me ask you this, as a chef. Were you cooking specifically organ meats that were delicacies? Or like where does that come into play?
0: Yeah, well, in many ways I'm no different than any anyone that's probably using my product in that I did not grow up eating organ meats. I wasn't I wasn't actively cooking them or making them for clients or even myself, but I recognize just like you, that they're necessary, mm-hmm. that that we are I mean i think that i think it's like 93 percent of americans are nutrient deficient but yet we're not calorie deficient right no. we're we're an overweight and obese nation so it's not about the fact that it, it's not like you can you know apply what's happening in third world countries where the kids are emaciated because they're not getting food we are getting plenty of food we're just getting the wrong foods yeah so my whole thing is like well how do i get the foods that are important that are the most nutrient that's into your diet because as you mentioned, there's hurdles, man. It's like, so organ meats, I identified the following hurdles is the, the associated taste. So I can talk to people that even have never tried organ meats and they will think they're icky. Mm-hmm. So right there, that's, that's beyond just eating it. Yeah. That's just, I just think it's going to taste gross, right? Then there's the sourcing. A lot of people don't know where or how to source it. And then there's the cooking of it. We've completely lost any kind of comfort or 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 knowledge of how to cook organ meats so those are the top three hurdles and that's what i set out to solve with pluck seasoning so pluck seasoning for anyone that doesn't know it's it's basically five freeze-dried powdered organs it's liver heart kidney spleen and pancreas and we can talk a little bit later about why i specifically uh, use those organs but But basically I took freeze dried powdered organ meats. It's the same stuff that you find in supplements, uh, that in the encapsulated supplements from like, you know, the liver King, he, he sells ancestral supplements. It's yep. the same ingredient. We're, we're all sourcing from New Zealand and we're let you know, we're sourcing hundred percent grass fed, um, cow organs. And so I'm using that ingredient and I'm combining it with, um, just organic spices and herbs. And I'm basically offsetting the taste. I made it so it's a shelf stable powdered organ that you would keep in, you know, on your counter or in your drawer, no different than any seasoning. So then I'm also making it so you don't need to know how to cook them because you can literally get, I always joke like you, if you eat at McDonald's, get your McDonald's and sprinkle pluck over it. You know, I'm not advocating you do that, but I'm just showing you how easy it is. Like you don't, you don't need to know how to cook to use seasoning. Just use it like salt and pepper, just season, season the meal after you've received it or made it. And then the third thing is i'm sourcing it for you you don't have to worry about sourcing i'm even sourcing organs that you don't even usually have access to i mean you show me someone who's eating spleen and pancreas and i was about to say i don't know where to go grab any pancreas yeah real quick it's really challenging it's really challenging most people if they are eating organs are doing liver that's probably the number one some of them are doing heart and some are doing kidney but anything else is really challenging to get
1: Wow. Okay, and I like that idea of at least you're you're adding some nutrition to something that could be, could be you know pretty crappy as far or, or nutrition deficit. And you know, uh, in a nutrition deficit, this is the cool thing about this. So um, it takes us back to, and I've been really studying this a lot. That our ancestral diet, what we were meant to eat, and way we were designed to eat does not fit with the environment we find ourselves. And you kind of mentioned it. You know, the 10 cent calorie is a mar, is a marvel of modern ingenuity. It's fantastic, right? I mean, being able to crush 300 calories for three bucks is something that once upon a time was just never heard of. But we've kind of gone to this point now where it's really crazy that the danger, to your point, the danger is not, not having enough food. It's that we're in this environment where there's just too much. There's an overabundance. And and that's crazy. And so whenever, as was it as a chef that you started keying into this idea of ancestral eating and being in the, the disconnect between what we, our habitat of this fast, ready-made food versus good quality, dense nutrition, high quality proteins. Where did you start to, what, what was the catalyst that made you figure out, we're not eating right, we gotta do something, and then you know, I'm going to develop a product that gets makes it to where it's more. Well, I mean, there's no no pun intended. It's more palatable for the general public to actually consume some of these good, dense, nutrient uh, organ meats.
0: Well, when I went to culinary school, um, I learned about I learned of nourishing tradition. Well, I learned of uh, Weston A. Price. Uh, so he, he was a dentist who who basically was starting to notice that the, the diet of the time was affecting teeth how teeth were coming into the jaws, how there's the shape of people's faces. And he was equating it to this, you know, the standard American diet of the times. I think he was in the thirties. I could be off on that, but, um, but basically he was, he was noticing that this diet was changing our bone structure and how our teeth came in. And so he had a hypothesis. And so he was fortunate enough to close his practice and basically travel the world And he went to all these indigenous cultures before they had American food introduced to them. And he was noticing that they were thriving health-wise, whereas we were not. And so he started to basically collect all this data around it. And so now there's a, uh, there's multiple books out there now based on his research. And there's a foundation that exists because of him. And it's called the Weston A. Price Foundation. And so they have a, a, a cookbook that I was introduced to when I was, um, it's beyond a cookbook it's also uh, sharing the philosophy and kind of the background but it's basically an ancestral cookbook and it's showing um, it's it's showing how to properly prepare grains for example how you're supposed to soak them before you actually uh, soak them and even sprout them before you cook them or eat them Um, it shows you how to make you know ferment products you know culture products like cultured vegetables sourdough breads Um, things like that so that you can actually make the food more digestible and better absorbable um so you're working with the food instead of the food working against you because as many of us are learning you know if anyone follows like carnivore diet there's a lot of vegetables out there that actually are hurting us rather than helping us you know the phytonutrients the, the, the 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 um the vegetables that are actually potentially taking nutrients out of you, you know, out of you rather than providing them to you. So, so Weston A. price really dealt with that. And I, it resonated, even when I was in culinary school, it really was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. Like, this is how we should all be eating. I did prepare food like that. I absolutely did follow the philosophy, but I still didn't incorporate organ meats then, even though they are very, very adamant about, you need to add organ meats to your diet. I just still didn't really incorporate it because of my pickiness. I was, you know, I grew up a picky eater and I was still kind of like staying, you know, staying in my lane of like what I'm comfortable in. Right. Um, So it was always there though, in the back of my head, I was always like, oh man, how can I get organ meats in my diet? How can I do this? How can I do this? And of course supplements became popular and that was one avenue. But I personally, I get tired of taking so many supplements. I kind of, I have like periods where I'm really like disciplined around it. And then I have periods where I'm just like, I'm, 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 I'm like capsule fatigue. <laughs> so I, you know so I mean, I, I
1: mean like, Hey, to your point and not to cut you off, but, uh, I have a bottle of ancestral supplements from liver King's company of some, I think it's just liver. And dude, I've had that sitting in my pantry for at least six months. And when I think about it, I'll take them. And you know, you have to take so many of them, yeah, you know, and it's so, so many. And, and when you, you, yeah, when you stack that with all your other stuff. So going back to what you were saying earlier, it's just not easy consumption. It's not top of mind to, to actually, add that to all the rest of the stuff. So I'm
0: sorry. i just wanted to confirm. No, you. no. Yeah, I, I'm,
1: a, I, I'm an example of what you're just saying.
0: Yeah. And I am too. I mean, I, 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 and I don't believe we're different. I mean, I think everyone out there goes through capsule fatigue and just, just in general is looking for, we're all looking for that magic pill, right? right. That thing that we'll take that just, you know, increase our, our health and make us thrive easily. Right. But for my money, it's it's not going to be in a pill form. It's going to be in something that actually coexists with something we already do. It's going to be in a very practical form. And that's why I chose seasoning, because I don't need to, I don't need to get you to season your food. You already season your food. Yeah. Like it's not a new habit. And to me, that's where the money, like that's where the sweet spot is. If I can get you a health modality that does not require a new habit. Now we're on to something. Now we're on to something that is actually sustainable and will actually work. And then you know, inevitably, I'm sure this is going to be a question you're gonna ask, but people say, Well, but how much pluck do I actually have to take to get the benefit, right? Yep, yep. Because when you're taking a capsule, you're you're getting hundred percent product and you know, like you said, you're you're being told to take like six to eight of them, you know, right. so that's a significant amount. That's probably about a you know, sometimes about a tablespoon of product. And with my seasoning, so we have four skews flavored one is called all purpose one is spicy and one is zesty garlic and I, I think you even have a couple of them there with you there baby there they are yeah so um those three are not a hundred percent products so those have about 15 percent organ blend and and when i i always stress people like don't get too tied up on that 15 percent because here's the deal it's freeze dried and powered, powdered when i take a a wet you know whole organ bloody organ and I freeze dried. I take a hundred percent product, and it goes down to about twenty three percent. So when I say fifteen percent of a freeze dried organ, that is much higher if it was actually wet organ. You know, what I mean, it's a condensed product. So, so it's it's you're getting a good amount. And I like to call it you're getting a micro dosing amount. Okay. I like it. I do have another product called pure, which is a hundred percent nutrient. It's only organ blend. It has no spices and herbs, no salt. It's just the organ blend. So that is for people that are like, Hey, I want, I want capsule amounts and I just want a practical way to do it. And I'm like, okay, get pure. It's cheaper than capsules. You can add it to smoothies. You can add it to sauces. You can even add it to ground meats. And just as long as you keep that ratio down, you won't know it. Okay. So it's a practical use of it, but here's why I push microdosing. So for my money, the health things are the things that we're doing effortlessly daily, right? So if I give you microdosing of organ meats and you're frequently using them, because I advise you use it for every meal,
1: yeah.
0: you're now getting cumulative effect. Right. And whenever anyone that doesn't understand microdosing, I like to use the example of glyphosate. So glyphosate is a product that Monsanto put out I think in the late 50s, early 60s. It was in Roundup. And it's something that they sold us on. They said, Hey, this is just micro amounts. It's not going to affect human health. The FDA even approved it. Micro amounts not going to affect human health. Well, now we're in a place where glyphosate is in everything. It's in our water. It's in our air. It's in our food. It's, it's in our soils. It's in breast milk. It's in hummus. Like we cannot get rid of it and it is hurting our health severely right 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 so microdosing works it works to the negative like in glyphosate and it can work in the positive in in organ meats in pluck and i just stress though the key with any thing that is going to be nutrient dense is you wanted it you want it to be coming from a whole food and i and and that is the glory of what i've created is that the organ meats are whole. It's a whole food. This isn't like an isolate. We're not isolating iron or magnesium and then right. putting it in a seasoning. This is a whole food that's raw in a raw state before it's freeze dried. That's then freeze dried and powdered. And then I mix a blend and then I add it to organs, you know, organic spices and herbs. So it is a whole food, which already right there protects, protects the nutrients and vitamins in it. And then also, it's coming from a source that is more bioavailable. Our bodies can recognize a whole food.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's to me, it's a beautiful marriage of like no needed, no added habit, whole food or whole food nutrition, and it's effortless. Like, you don't have to think about the fact you could be even like 95% plant based and be like, but I take pluck. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to think about it that you're touching or dealing with an animal product but you're getting this amazing amount of nutrition.
1: I think it's freaking genius. And it's, it's very much like, uh, well, before you and I got on, you know, I have a, I do a standard protein shake every day that has my um, collagen in it. And it's just, it's easy. It just dump dumps the powder. Don't have to taste it. And uh, and it works the same thing with my athletic greens. It's taking, you know, all these vegetables that I'm not going to eat and I put them in and they come from a whole source. But, all right, I want to try this stuff. So I'm going to try, just so the viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, check that out. I'm gonna try the zesty garlic. Smells amazing, by the way. All right, so let's see what we got. Going Thank
0: you. On. Yeah, can you smell? So it's got like an umami to it, and okay. umami is a is basically what we call the fifth taste. So there's sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami was discovered, I think, in the '80s um, in Japan.
1: Dude, that's amazing. That's,
0: you're like taking multiple thing multiple tastes too. I yeah. love it.
1: No, no, dude. That's it's And I wouldn't just say if, if I didn't like it, just I wouldn't embarrass you on the show. But I'd just be like, okay, all right. No, this yeah, this yeah. is
0: good stuff. This is good stuff. Oh, no, and I and I actually don't mind if you were like, you know, this isn't for me. I would I appreciate that. And I and I, but is- you, I can. I can see from your face. You like, it, <laughs> dude. no, no, no. That's, that's fantastic. Your body doesn't lie.
1: No, no. All right. So I want to try the spicy cause I love a little kick in my diet. So this, this stuff's gotta be good. So
0: now, so I always tell people cause, cause, uh, as a chef with spicy and you're going to appreciate this as a Texan. So usually, when you get spicy products, they just blow out your, your, your taste buds. It's just right. spicy. You just get heat, you know right. and I And then you can't taste anything. You just taste the heat as a chef, I'm not interested in that. Like I want you to still get flavor. So I really, and I'm curious if you're going to pick up those, you may find it not as spicy since you are a Texan, but what I tried to do is create lots of flavor and then heat so that you're still getting flavor. So uh, let's see, let's see Uh, what you think. And you may need to actually do a good amount to taste the heat. I don't know. No, it's just right. It's just right. Yeah. Okay, good. That actually means a lot coming from you because I really was trying to balance. Like I it I didn't want it to be mild. I don't want to say spicy and then have no no heat. But I want, I don't want you to lose flavor. No, it's
1: you know what. <clears throat> so in Texas, you know we know barbecue, right? Yeah. And this has a heat that kind of it comes on slow and kind of gets you in the back of the throat. That's that's yep. where that's where I'm getting this. And man, again, it's delicious. I mean, and so to both of these, the zesty garlic and I've got the spicy. They have all. Of the, 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 pancreas, the spleen, yep. the liver and the kidney. Is it those four at heart?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so what we're doing is we have a five organ blend, liver, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas, and we're just using the same blend for all our products. Cause it's a custom blend and it's, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, what we designed to be unique for the company. So if everyone, if anyone ever copycats us or something like that, we have our blend that's unique, I guess. Well,
1: now that's that cool. makes a lot of sense. And then I guess where your culinary skills come in is balancing the spices and yeah. making it to, I mean, I'm telling you, dude, I mean, James, these are delicious. I'm, do you have competition on this? I mean, I, I mean, I, you're the only one I've heard of that does.
0: We're so the first with, with, yeah, we're the first to come out with this, and and, and um, I probably should patent the recipe or something like that. But um, but I I'm the first one to combine these ingredients, and and I and I wish, you know, I wish I could say, oh, I'm I'm, it's because I'm so amazing. But I just it almost feels like divine intervention to be honest with you. I feel very grateful that I did it because it's so rare to come out with anything that's new these days, that's a actual real food product, um, you know, laboratory made easy, but not so easy when it's real food. And um, so I feel very grateful that I was inspired to do this. I have two kids. So as a parent, I'm even more grateful because now I can, my kids love it. Like they put it on everything. We like when, if they have toast or popcorn or anything that's Pizza, anything like that's typically not the kind of food you want your kids to be eating, they just sprinkle pluck on it, and then I feel better as a parent. I'm like, great. Right. Yeah, I don't mind that we just had pizza because you guys just put organ meats on it. I'm, I'm good.
1: No-brainer, dude. I love it. All right, so now here's one of the things that I always like to find out whenever I see something. I mean, like it's kind of like on Shark Tank, but I've got one participant to myself for the the hour of the show or however long you and I geek out on this stuff. But when you when you see when the when the audience sees something like this, they see a beautiful package, uh, the products there. I'm tasting it; it's real. To get to that stage, man, there's always ups downs. It died. I uh, thought it was a good idea. Then we then we needed money, and you know, there's always the backstory, and that's what I love because because so much of the Jason Wright show, a large part of this audience, they're entrepreneurial. They want to know how mm. how do you get started? How did how do you go? So, kind of give me your hero's journey as an entrepreneur, getting this from, Oh my gosh, I can't believe nobody's doing this. I'm about to make organ meats taste delicious and be able to spread them on food to getting it into this beautifully packaged little bag that I'm holding in my hand and get there. How, what did that look like? And how long did it take? You know, and when did you finally jump off?
0: I know. Right. I mean, well, we, the product started, we launched the site and sold product in January of 2021. Um, now it was about a year, two years before that, that I was developing the product, but I feel like, you know, my journey, even with it started be- before that, just as a chef, you know, and kind of like, uh, I always gravitated as a chef to different things than I found other chefs gravitating towards, you know, like I was not one of those chefs that was like knew who the who 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 was the winner of some contest you know chef con you know I, I didn't follow that stuff i was truly like in it for like how can i make comfort foods healthier that was really what i was in it for because i recognized that comfort foods are where we gravitate and i was like how if, if i can figure that out now i'm really helping people yeah because that's what everyone's eating right it's comfort food so um so I always kind of had a little bit of a different perspective. I always felt a little bit like an outlier as a chef, just different from everyone else. Um, and then I had kids, and I was very adamant of what, wanting to get the most nutrient dense foods into their diet. And how can I do that where I'm not dealing with picky eating? Because all those parents out there with young kids know it's like freaking picky eating. Like, can just you feel defeated sometimes when you spent you know, party, you've already worked really hard during the day. And then you've slaved over the kitchen and then you serve your food and your kid starts like having a tantrum because they don't want to eat your food. And you're just like, you know, what? this is the last thing I want. So I was really like looking for effortlessness mm-hmm. in the kitchen as well. And with my kids and, and then, and then it, and then I started the process of like, okay, I have this idea. Now does it work? And this was before COVID. So we were having dinner parties and things like that. And I had a lot of fun, like, Basically, I would have a dinner party, and I would use the seasoning in the food, and not tell anyone. Now, everyone there was an omnivore, so I knew I wasn't, you know, compromising anyone's diet. Right. But, but I wouldn't tell them there was organ meats in it, and then people would respond, and I would watch these people just go, "Oh my gosh, this food is just so good!" Yeah. Um, and then I would say at the end, I would say, "Well, I just." I just gave you guys organ meats and this is how I did it. And we would have and everyone's face would be like, what? Yeah, like, yeah. couldn't believe it, couldn't believe it. And so that made me start to go, OK, I think this I think I'm on to something. And then I um, I started down the path of just kind of working the recipe and making sure that it tasted good. I started with just liver powder because that's all I could get access to. But once I made that taste good, then I then I started working with multiple organs to make a, a mix that would taste good then. So once I got the organ blend down, then I had to get the spice and herb down. So it's, it's an interesting process when you're creating food because you can mix the, the ingredients together and find the finished product. Right. But then you have to go backwards because when I go to order from that spice and herb provider, I have to have the blend taste good before it has organ meat in it. Just like I have to make sure that the organ blend tastes appropriate or good before it adds spices to it. So there there's almost a balancing act that you do with just the ingredients. And so basically for my company, I have two ingredients. I have two blends basically that have multiple ingredients, but once I get those, blends. Now I'm just combining them. And then I figured out what percentage worked so that you wouldn't know organ meats were in there, but that I was giving you enough organ meats to move your health needle. Yeah. Because for my money, I really see uh, pluck as a gateway to getting organ meats into your diet. I don't see it as the end. I, my goal is I want you to eat nose to tail. So I really do want to help you get more organs, more part of that animal into your diet. Pluck is just the gateway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I got to think too, that it hits on a lot of, you know, sustainability and that whole idea of, you know, using all the resources at our disposal. I love that message. I also love the fact that I can do kind of like what George Costanza did to that chick whenever he got her to eat lobster on, uh, on Seinfeld. If I have any vegan friends that are pissing me off with all their haughtiness about not eating any meat, I'm going to put some pluck on their, on their food. They won't
0: know. That's what's so funny is they won't know. And I would almost guarantee this. This is what's kind of funny. Um, uh-huh. uh, is that when you put it on, so we get this comment all the time, like someone, let's just say, you know, we, we all have those, those meals that we cook for ourselves or our families that are just, just, we do them every other week and they're just safe safety net. We know yeah. they work, they're good, they're easy and we do them. Well, I get so many comments where people say, okay, I made, let's just say stuffed peppers. It's a hit in my house. I made it. All I did differently was I added pluck to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that night when I served it, my family went crazy. They said, what did you do differently? This is so good. They got seconds where they normally don't get seconds. So it's like this, the umami is what I was talking about earlier. The umami in organ meats actually heightens the other flavors. So it makes food taste better. So not only are you feeding people better flavor, but you're also going to get no different than when you stick your finger in sea salt, you know, and you find out if your body is low on sodium yeah you'll crave it you'll actually get a craving for it and then you're suddenly your body will say oh i'm done and and the salt will taste differently the same thing happens with organ meats but yet the craving doesn't stop so you actually create craveability with organ meats and better flavor so those vegans that you feed this to will probably freaking (laughs) love it and they won't realize that it's because their bodies are craving these nutrients so badly
1: I love it. I love it. All right, so getting back kind of to just thinking about the uh, the uh hero's journey of the entrepreneur. So you decide that this is real. I'm going to do this. I'm on to something. So then what? Or did you decide I'm going to do this in addition to continuing. Now did you have your own restaurant where you head chef somewhere? And by the way, where did you go to culinary school?
0: I went to corners. I, I don't think it exists anymore, or at least now it's a part of another program, but it was called the natural gourmet Institute and it was in New York and it was uh, started by Anne Marie Colbin back in the seventies. And it was literally one of the only kind of healthy, uh, culinary schools out there. And they definitely leaned a little bit more toward vegan vegetarian. But what's so funny is that all the people teaching weren't vegan vegetarian. Like, so, so, they, they did meats. It's just, I think they were known as being a vegan vegetarian place, but I, I really was there for the health factor. And, and I liked at the time learning vegan and vegetarian, having that specialty, because then that, that way that set me apart from other chefs so that I knew how to do it.
1: Well, let me tell you something, I, you know, just to kind of get back in the good graces of all the, the vegans in the audience. Um, one of my favorite restaurants in the world. Yeah, And the reason why I asked, my daughter is a total foodie. She's a, a senior at the University of Colorado. And I know that Boulder has a really good culinary school there. It, she's looked into, she's actually a personal chef. Uh, that's one yeah. of her jobs at school. And she is a top one diabetic. So she really has to focus on a lot, kind of like what, what you're telling me is she needed to make some, Uh, She already ate well, but obviously, whenever you don't have a pancreas that works, then you start having to really manage what you eat. And so one of our favorite restaurants happens to be vegan, which is Leaf in Boulder. And for anybody out there, if you've never gone to a vegan restaurant, which normally, I think because we had just eaten, we've gone to Boulder so many times since she's been in school there, we had tried every single restaurant there was, uh, that we just like, well, let's just see what this is. And I got to tell you, man, this... um, the, that it's an, in, it's an incredible uh, restaurant and they understand how to be creative with plant-based, you know, foods, right. you know, so that's what I like that is similar in your story is that you're finding things that, again, going back to the, what you were talking about earlier, that most people just aren't going to readily go, yeah, give me, give me a kidney. Let me see if I can, you know, choke that down. Now you decide to go ahead and make a business of this, what do you do first? Do you, do you call and say, where do I get the organ meats? How do I get it dehydrated? I mean, kind of what was the process to map this out to where you're Cause I know that's a lot of people out there that are in the audience that are entrepreneurs. They just don't even know what the first step is toward their big idea. They've got the idea, but then breaking it down into those smaller pieces to take that very first minor step. Did you just go ahead and get a dehydrator and make your own blend and go, I'm, this is pretty good after all. And then go from there. I mean, kind of, how does this, how does the story go?
0: Well, so I, I had owned a business in LA. Uh, I used to a private chef in Los Angeles and, okay. um, and I owned a meal delivery service for about eight years in LA and I self-funded that. So I really learned a lot because I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I knew what I was doing as a chef. I didn't know what I was doing as a business or, or entrepreneurial person but and that's something actually that's really important distinction is I think we tend to think that because we're proficient at let's say making pies, then that means we're proficient at running a pie business And those are two very different things I'm sure at, you've talked about in your podcast.
1: At, that's it that's why I love these stories because you just you just revealed something there that so few people understand. They think, well, I am crushing it in private equity and getting the funding for all these business owners. So therefore I should be an entrepreneur. And then all of a sudden when they have to worry about how to turn the lights on, how to put gas in the delivery truck, how to source all the, the materials that go into the food that you're cooking and delivering and still make money. That's where it gets kind of tricky. Uh, so Yeah,
0: yeah, the hiring and the operation systems, managing people. I mean, those are all really, those are talents and, and traits of themselves. And, and most people that are very proficient at making let's say I use the example pies but like uh, let's say someone who's an experienced chef they're not always great at managing people so sure so very very different qualities um but I learned a lot I made a lot of mistakes I learned a lot it was kind of like my business school so I then had about five years between that business and this business and or maybe four years and the difference was huge. So I went into this business, you you asked, what was the first thing I did? Once I had the idea was I started looking for investors because I knew right away, I am not going to sell finances because when you sell finance, that means you're not getting paid. Yep. Basically, you know, and I, with my first business, uh, I didn't get paid for something like seven years. And so that what, what happens when, when you don't get paid, and this is really important for people to understand, that means you're working other jobs to keep yourself afloat. And when you're working other jobs, that means now your time and attention is dissipating. It's watered down so that you cannot focus solely on the business you're trying to create. So now you are divided, you're multitasking. And it just, it slows the process down severely and it is impossible to be great at it. You're now just subpar or good at a, a bunch of different things. And so I was very adamant about, okay, this idea is gold. I I recognize that this is a unique and, and, um, uh, like innovative idea and I'm the first one to do it. So I was very aware of like, I got to jump on this. I got to really go out big and I go, I have to go out strong and I have to, I have to uh, lay out a really, um, uh, as the first to market, I have to lay out a really strong brand. And I, and it was like, I, am not going to be able to do that alone. So I immediately, um, found investors. I raised about, um, well, initially it raised about 350,000. That's Dude, how, like, so when we're, amazing. we're talking, and, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's and,
1: strong. That's real strong for something like, yeah, wow.
0: Yeah. But for a food product, it's not in really? any ways. That's, because, I'm oh impressed. my gosh, because, because bringing, bringing a food product to a co-packer and getting yeah. it actually on the shelves is very expensive, very, yeah. very expensive. So so if anything what i'm now facing um and why i'm actually i may start reaching out for more investors soon is because i'm now with a co-packer and i now have fulfillment but and i have a good we're getting good placement and we we are we're getting more and more orders every month so we're getting out there but one of the problems that you run into is that now i have to place an order to the co-packer to ensure that i'm meeting demand Yep. But I'm placing that order before I've actually sold it. So that means you have to have like almost $50,000 in reserve yep. just to place those orders for the packaging, for the co-packing, for the ingredients, yep. right? Yep. So that's why a lot of businesses get line of credits, for example, things like that. But that's kind of the situation. It's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. It's a very good problem to have. But that's kind of currently where I'm at. Um, and and so I got, those, I got the investors. That was the first thing. And then... I didn't try to DIY like any blends. I mean, I, I, of course I had to come up with the spice and herb blend and I had to figure out the, um, the, the, the organ meat blend, but I didn't necessarily try to like freeze dry my own organs or dehydrate them. I was like, cause this stuff already exists. So yeah. I, you know, I knew that the ingredients were being used by like liver king and all these people in their capsules. So I was like, I just need to find out who they're, who they're sourcing from. And I did, I found out where they're sourcing from and then I contacted that broker and I got in with him and that was quite a long process of course, because when you're a new company, no one really cares. (laughs) They're just kind of like, Oh, well your, your order is going to be much smaller than my bigger order. So you're going to get last you're, you're in line at at the very end, you know, you're, you're at the end of the line. But fortunately, I, I people recognize that I had an innovative idea and um, I was able to get some sourcing. Now, the you know, the biggest headache was actually the spices and the herbs. Really? Yeah, because just, uh, just
1: from a sourcing perspective.
0: Yeah, because, well, what's so fascinating is that they every provider is different and you can give them your blend, you know, your 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 recipe. And yet what you get back from them might usually tastes completely different. It's kind of weird, like you give them a recipe that is, is worked out in percentages and it's a ratio and it's, it should be pretty easy for them to replicate, but yet what you get back for some reason tastes completely different than what you created in your kitchen. So it's kind of like almost having to let go of like, well, is it gonna be exact or how close can I get it? And each provider sent me something different. And fortunately, the one we're, cu- we're currently working with right now they were the best of all of them. And so I'm really happy with our current blend uh, as you, as you saw tasting it, it tastes really good. Yeah. Um, but we've also evolved. I mean, even, even in the year and a half we've been around, we evolved. So we, we originally launched with a, um, a blend that was slightly different. So I, I had black pepper in, in pluck the all purpose. And then I also was using pink Himalayan salt and I, and, and basically, once I launched and was getting out there, I was finding that we were getting a lot of play in the carnivore um, yep. arena. And, and I was noticing uh, we would get feedback of like, hey, have you ever thought of using Redmond Real Salt? Because that was the preferred salt of that community. And I loved Redmond Real Salt. I was like, oh, I knew about it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to use them. But the current provider of the spices and herbs didn't carry them. So I was kind of forced to take the best of what they had. Well, once I started getting that feedback, I was like, "Look, I'm going to find a provider that can do red mineral salt." So that's what I then did, and they ended up being not as reputable as I thought. Like they told me they carried red mineral salt, but they actually didn't. They had to order it in. And then when I, even though they were organic, that the 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 spices and herbs that would show up just were—I don't know—it was like like the lemon peel was really hard and different. It was like how they the, the things that they were sourcing weren't up to my my, my quality and, and, and my desire. So, so then I had to quickly pivot from them to find someone else. And like I said, I'm really happy with who I'm working with now. And they did source Redmond Real Salt for me. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's great. It's a perfect marriage of like organ meats, Redmond Real Salt, and then just really good organic spices. Herbs.
1: I love it. And see everything you just said there is exactly what I want this audience to, to hear is that story because it's like this. Whenever I'm speaking to different groups of, you know, when I'm doing a business advisor, I'm trying to do team, you know, development or whatever. One of the first things I do in a lot of these exercises, I go, okay, let's say that you have to go to the moon and you have to get there by next week. What do you do? Well, the first thing that most people say is, oh, I, I, that's impossible. I can't do that. Yeah. But here's the deal. Here's a caveat. One of your children, your wife, somebody really important to you is held hostage. And the only way you save their life is to get to the moon. Now tell me, what do you do? And inevitably, the first thing they do is they call NASA. I said, like, okay, there. You figured out the first step. And yeah. so that's what I like to hear is because in that, to you at this point, you probably take it for granted. Well, you know, the the and salt wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't sourced properly. The ingredients weren't there. So, But what's behind that, what I know in reality as an entrepreneur and what this audience ha- is, I'm, I want to reinforce them to kind of meditate on is there was a lot of, disappointments and phone calls and what the hell do we do now and I, I did what I thought the market wanted and it and I got that I, you know, I did this and then just have and then your expertise showing that to your point earlier your skill set that makes you a good chef I wouldn't know what the hell is wrong with that lemon pill but you will I wouldn't know a bad spice or an, a lower quality spice from a higher quality spice you will and so I think it's always important to, for people that want to own and operate a business, you got to realize just what you said. It's not as easy as just deciding, eh, I've got a great idea. Watch me go. There's all these little things that to you at this point in your journey probably seem mundane and, yeah, it was a bunch of phone calls and I stayed up one night and I had no idea how I'm going to continue. And yet here you are. You did it. And so that's why I kind of probe on that because I just – there's always a backstory. There's no. I had a great idea, and what do you know? I invented the light bulb, and the rest is history. Yeah. It's never that,
0: right? Oh no, it, it was a lot of struggle. I mean, I probably, I, I feel like I probably spent about eight eight months calling and and going down one avenue, and then someone would lead me down a new avenue, and I just kept just kept reaching out, you know. And the, and I would say the two things I kept. I kept telling myself as an entrepreneur that I was going to do differently than I did last time is one of them was, I was going to ask questions. I was going to just, no matter what, I was just going to keep asking questions because I knew I was new to the food market. You know, I'd never put out a product before the, you know, CBG market. And I was like, okay, I am going to not pretend that I know more than I do. So I'm going to go in humble and, and, and honest, And and I'm going to just tell people, Hey, you know, I'm new at this. I don't know what you're talking about. Like when they would, you know, cause inevitably you'd meet these old people that have been in business a long time. They'd be like, Oh, you know, what's your AOC to your, this. And they'd be all (laughs) using all these, these initials for things. And I was like, okay, this is great. Can you go slower? And can you explain what that is? And I would just, I just kept asking questions and I was just upfront about, Hey, I'm new. Cause, cause no one's going to fault you. If you just say, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm new. But if you pretend you know something and then you're like they're saying all these terms and you don't understand what they are, but you're pretending they're going to see through that and then they're, they're going to say, okay, this isn't a reputable person. This isn't someone I can work with because they're not going to be honest with me.
1: Or, they're not, gonna, or they're not going to get to the granular level because you've led yeah. them to believe I don't have to go there with this person they know. Dude, that to me is gold. And you're looking at a guy due to a fixed mindset for years and years that would not ask those questions. I was mm. so concerned with looking dumb and not not living up to the, the kind of the image I built of myself as this, you know, really smart, intelligent business person. And I wouldn't ask the questions. And and a, a great example, this audience has heard before, whenever people ask me, you know, was it worth it to get an MBA and go to business school? And I'm like, I don't really know, but if there's anything that it did teach me is this smart people ask questions. And it took me spending way too much money on a degree that, frankly, I did not need at the time, not because I already knew everything, but just because it wasn't really going to do much more for me than i had already learned, kind of like you said, through trial and error and making the mistakes as a business owner. Uh, but But what it did for me is it put me in a room full of a bunch of people that I assumed were a lot smarter than me that I could watch, ask questions, and then go, well, dude, if they're asking questions, then I sure as hell need to be asking questions. So I think that that right there, brother, is some of the greatest wisdom you could have possibly shared with this audience.
0: Well, you know, thank you. And you know something that, you know, the the whole imposter syndrome, I mean, it's not like that just goes away, of course, you know, (laughs) because every new phase of your business, you enter an unknown. You enter a new place of like, okay, I don't know how to handle this. You could be seasoned, but then reach a new peak and you're just like, whoa, I've never been here before. What is this? Am I going to fake it till I make it or am I going to just approach it with that humbleness and that kind of asking questions. And I'll give an example. So I, I joined this uh, entrepreneur group um, with some really big players, like, I mean, a hundred million dollar companies, you know, people that have been in the business way longer than me. And here I come in and, you know, I'm, I'm this new to business, don't have as, at all as much sales as these guys do. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what am I going to contribute? And so I went to my first event uh, a couple weekends ago. And I got so much feedback after that event of like, holy moly, you gave me so much value. I just love how you listen. I love the questions you ask. Like, oh my gosh, like I can't wait to continue to get to know you better. Like I got so much feedback with like that. And I left that event going, oh wow, okay, I'm not an imposter. Like I do have something to offer. And and one of the things is simply sometimes just listening to the person and giving, and giving them like that feedback, that real real world feedback of just like human humanity, just yep. giving them that, that listening like a human and, and responding just from my, you know, I'm 48, so it's like responding with my 48 years of being on this earth. Yep,
1: yep. I Sometimes
0: could, that is the value.
1: I could not agree more. I was just, um, I'm reading this book. It's, let, me, I wanted to tell you, let me go grab it real quick. Audience, forgive me. All right, it's by Annie Duke. How to decide, and it's it's about being a better decision maker. There it is. I recommend it to everyone. It it's it's like a workbook. It actually has exercises. And I'm one of the and one of the things that Annie Duke talks about. In fact, the chapter that I was just reading was how often what we'll do. If there's a there's a there's an art to asking questions, and I'm guilty of this. Like, if I were to say to you, you know, uh, you know, James, most organ meats taste like ass, and you just can't make them taste good, but I see that you've created a, a spice that might make it tolerable. What do you think about the taste of organ meats? Okay, that could very well make you start going, yeah, you're right, they do taste bad, to confirm what I'm saying. Whereas, instead, if I would just ask the question without inserting my opinion first, just, James, how can you make, Organ meats taste more palatable. Then it's all based on you and your knowledge. Then I get the most out of your knowledge, and so it's how you ask questions and just the fact that you ask the questions as opposed to coming at with your opinion with a question, disgu- your opinion disguised as a question. And so this is a great book, man. Yeah, Annie Duke. It's a lot of strategies for and being a better, you know, be, just being a better learner and understander of different topics. Like one of the one of my favorite uh, tactics one of my favorite tactics that she uses is whenever you go into a, a a an argument and she uses, is the earth flat or round? Most of us, we will just say, if you say, you know, is the earth round? And you and I would say yes and say, well, no, it's flat. And you go, well, how do you know? And you go, I just know. But she says to go ahead and go find the scientific research, at least three bullet points that you could, assert as to why the earth is in fact round so that you know exactly what the hell you're talking about and so all that boils down to i think is like what you've just said is be someone who is humble enough to learn and to ask the questions and i'm telling you dude it took i'm I'm a year behind you i'm 47 and it's taken me nearly all of those 47 years it's one of the reasons why this podcast exists is so that i have an excuse to get someone like you on the other other side of that camera to ask these questions and make myself better and learn. And I realize just what you said, those those individuals that have the $100 billion companies, you know, we're not unique with our questions. We all have them. We just don't all ask. And I think that right. that's, I, I just, I, I wanted to park on this for a little bit, again, for the listeners, as well as for, to kind of reinforce in my own mind, the idea of being able to ask questions, man, it is just, it's paramount to, to success. And it took me forever ever to get that, not because I wanted to appear as a know-it-all, but because I didn't want to appear stupid. I mean, I have a lot of imposter syndrome everywhere I go, especially like when I was at SMU for business school, I was like, dude, they are going to kick me out any minute. They're going to realize they never should have let this hick from East Texas into this business school. And uh, so I always thought, well, and if I start asking questions, that's only going to reinforce what I already think, which is I shouldn't be here in the first place. And so kudos, brother, you figured something out that I think is invaluable.
0: Well, and I think, I think it is to your point. I mean, sometimes people ask, like, sometimes the faker plays the role that they think they're supposed to be in. So sometimes people do just go like, okay, uh, I was listening to Jason's podcast. Okay. And he said, ask questions. So I'm going to just go to this (laughs) seminar and I'm just going to ask questions. And they're asking kind of, stupid questions, right? They're, they're asking. And I and I actually don't believe in a stupid question. But I'm saying it's a stupid question, because it's a question where it's evident they're not listening.
1: Exactly. And so exactly. I think the two
0: really have to go hand in hand, you need to be listening. And then let your question come from what you're hearing. Don't just come in and be like, uh, you know, why is the sky blue? It's like, well, what, what? What? What is that? I answered that earlier, first of all, and then be why? Why are you what? <laughs> like you need, now I have to go backwards to answer yeah. your question where if you had just been listening, you would have already had the answer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You yeah.
0: know what I mean? So the two really, for me, go hand in hand.
1: Could not agree more. All right. So now you've got the product. We've got a little bit of the backstory, the products out there. What's your primary sales channel now? I mean, where can people find Pluck and where did Pluck come from? I know I probably read that on the website or something. Where did the name come from?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like I know we associate pluck is as like plucking feathers from yeah. a bird or a plucky attitude. But actually, if you look it up, if you just do a search on pluck, one of the earlier definitions of pluck is animal organs.
1: Really? Okay. I know
0: a lot of people don't know, it, but I can, I can't take credit for it. My, my branding uh, team, they found it. And, um and I was like, the minute I heard it, I was like, Oh, that's strong. That reminds me of like, you know kleenex or google exactly. it's just a strong word and, Crayon, and i'm like yeah. I, i'm just gonna take it i'm gonna take it take it over and like get it. you start associating pluck again as organ meat
1: like it like it okay and so back to uh, I mean, where is the where do we buy pluck?
0: so we're we're a shopify store that's where yep. I, that's the channel i chose um so we're at eatpluck.com and um we have the four SKUs that I mentioned earlier. Currently we have some more stuff coming down the line. I, I have a lot of ideas, practical ideas of how to get nose to tail into people's diets. So I'm, I'm excited as the company grows to continue on that mission. Um, cause there's a lot more, even than what we've discussed in terms of how to get these organs available to people, how to get these products available in the U S it's, it's an uphill battle a little bit because it's a battle of the USDA, it's a battle of uh, supply chain, it's an issue of getting um, these, these ranches getting access to their organs because a lot of people assume that if I bring my cow to a, a meat processor that I have 100% ownership of that cow and that's not actually true. A lot of the meat processors limit what you can get back from that cow and it's based on their HACCP plan. And it's also based on your sales channel. If you're selling directly to the consumer, then you have more access. If I'm trying to sell in a grocery store or retail, then I have less. So it's, there's a lot of red tape, a lot of hurdles. And my goal is to work on those so that I can eventually create more products that are utilizing um, other organs that will help and support people's health.
1: All right, so along those lines, okay, I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna pull a little bit of a James Alter on you right now because, um, you know, one of the things that James is really good about doing, and he's infinitely brighter than I am, uh, but he had. I'm looking up right now. He had the the folks, uh, the the guy that created Pig Out, the um, uh, plant based pork rinds, and so what I'm thinking is. As you develop like I'm thinking, my God, this stuff would be so good on something like that. So if you've got the person that's not gonna eat pork, they don't like pork rinds, but they want plant based, but they're not averse to organ meats in the right, you know, channel or delivery, then man, to have some pig out pork rinds that are seasoned with uh with pluck, dude. Oh I think yeah. that, that'd be kind of but amazing.
0: I already have ideas. I mean, like, so if you go to our site, we have a whole recipe page, uh, section. And like, so I've already shown people how to make pluck nuts, for example, like how to roast nuts with pluck on them. And it's freaking delicious, uh, popcorn with pluck on it. We call it pluck corn. It is, it is out of this world. It is so good that you won't be able to eat popcorn without pluck again. Cause it just, it takes popcorn to such a whole new level yeah. that popcorn without pluck tastes plain. Like so it. like I would love to eventually partner with companies or even make my own products where I'm utilizing pluck in these ways. So I'm putting it exactly. on chips or popcorn or nuts mm-hmm. or coconut or, you know, in sauces and dressings and all these different um, vehicles so that I can do exactly what you're talking about, kind of just get these organ meats in your diet, but in an effortless way, because you're already using most of these products, you're eating these snacks, or whatever they are. So absolutely keen to do that. Absolutely.
1: Well, what we need to do is you need to leverage the uh, – and, and he may get upset with me for saying this, but I don't think he will. But our mutual friend, James Quandall that brought us together, he actually knows James Altucher. And Altucher is just and, – and if by if by chance, James, you come across this, James Altucher or Quindall, um James Altucher is brilliant. He is a master. He would take something – you should be on his show and, and talk to him about all the different things you could do with Pluck. It's just – because it is a great product. I love it. I mean, I'm going to start ordering it now. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you sending me the the uh, care package you did. But it, it it for the listener out there, it tastes amazing. Uh, I'm going to have it tonight. Uh, I think I'm going to season up uh, ribeye with it. I think that just <laughs> meat on meat, baby.
0: Yeah, and don't stop there. A lot of people sometimes think that, they, because it's com- coming from cows, you know, that it needs to go on, just meat, um, you know, cow meat, uh, beef, whatnot. I, I'm always like, you know, I designed this to be versatile. And even when I designed it, I didn't know how versatile it was going to be, but I've heard, we've, we've gotten feedback from customers. I mean, I haven't heard one thing someone's tried on it that doesn't taste good. And we even joke like it tastes great on everything, but ice cream. But then we had a customer say, no, I tried it on ice cream and it was actually really good. So, so, I say, follow your own taste, but really go crazy. Like I tried it on oysters, for example. Oh, I can see that. Delicious. Yeah. It tastes really good. We've been using the spicy pluck um, when we do tacos. And I'm talking any kind of meat, like whether it's pulled pork or beef or it doesn't matter. And I still, and I'm definitely one of those people. So I use a lot of um, ancestral blends Mm -hmm. when I'm making food for my family. So I'll do the ground up meat with um liver or heart in it you know force of nature has a blend um so i'll use those but i'll still use pluck in it too so i do both um and what else we my kids put it on eggs all the time toast uh rice or even any vegetable um we do it on fish chicken Lamb, um, any kind of red meat, anything like that. So really go crazy. I even sprinkle it on salads. When I have a salad, I literally oh, just sprinkle yeah. it right over the salad. Yeah, no, so, I totally do that. So it's 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 really versatile and just just go crazy. And if if you find something you, you're like, oh, I it didn't taste as good on this, then that's just information for you. Then you know, okay, well, I won't do it on that again. But but I I, I challenge you to find something that doesn't taste good with.
1: No, I think it's no brainer. I'm going to be using the heck out of it. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. All right, so they, they, we know where they can get you. Where else can people follow Pluck, support Pluck, learn more about the the product? Oh, but one question. Okay, I'm, I'm being a terrible host here. I got to ask you one question. I, you're a chef, dude, so I got to ask you this question. If I come over to your house and you're going to make just your signature dish, you're going to make something that just makes me go, oh my gosh. I hope we get the invite back to the berries because that was freaking awesome what are you going to make me?
0: Well, I love, I love a good brisket. Oh yeah. You're talking to a
1: Texan, Texan baby.
0: (laughs) All right. I do love a good brisket, but you know where my, where I really just kind of, I go geek is, is sauces. I love sauces. So, so I really excel at dressings and sauces. And so I would, it would almost be like, it almost wouldn't matter what I made you because yeah. I would make sure that the sauce or the dressing with it was so superior that it would make anything taste good. You, like you know it. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so you would almost kind of freak out just by that. And you like, so I could even make you the simplest dish, like a salad, but I would make it so you would still freak out because of the dressing.
1: Okay. I got to tell you something you'll appreciate. If someone and for the listener out there, when you start eating real foods, and you start doing things that are like, I mean, I would love that because one of the things that I have just started doing probably within the last two years is making my own salad dressings. Now, mm-hmm. I just do it really simple. It's gonna be, for the, my staples, gonna be a little bit of honey, a little bit of lemon, olive oil, salt, pepper, maybe some garlic salt. That's kind of just m- maybe some balsamic, but that's it. It's very basic, basic, basic. And just that, dude, I will not eat salad dressing off the shelf anymore I, I won't no. do it so, so it's game changing
0: so hey ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you huge value right now you and your audience so here's the ratio here's how to make your own salad dressing it's a simple it. ratio okay okay so it's three to one okay so basically it's three parts oil okay. to one part vinegar or lemon juice or lime juice and we call that the acid whatever the acid is that's one part and so when I say ratio I'm talking whatever the vehicle is. So let's just say it's a tablespoon. So it's three tablespoons oil, one tablespoon acid. It doesn't matter what the vehicle is, it's just do three of whatever it is to and use the exact same one for the one part, but just do one. So that could be even the cap. Even the cap to the olive oil could be the vehicle. So three caps of all oil and then to one cap of the vinegar and you just got to use the same size cap. Okay. So that's the base, that's the ratio base. And then from there you add whatever you want. And a lot of people, one of the ways to get out of a bad dressing is to add sugar. That's what a lot of restaurants do is when you get something too bitter, when something's too bitter, you add honey or some sugar to it, right? So one of the things you can do to not fall into that is, is you could even add like something that's naturally sweet so like what i do sometimes is i caramelize onions and then i blend a little bit of that with the dressing because it gives you that caramelized onion taste to a savory it's really good on a savory dressing okay sometimes i'll take a date and i'll you know pull out the pit but i won't use the whole date because sometimes that's too much maybe i'll just use half of it or something so you can you can utilize whole food Over processed food, you can utilize a whole food to get that sweetness. And it's just, once you go whole food and you're utilizing all the, the natural flavors from these real foods in your dressings, it's just, it's game changing. And as you said, you won't, you won't be able to eat the store-bought stuff because you'll taste how bad it is. It's, it's they use horrible oils. A lot of times they're using like stabilizers and, and things to make it. So it doesn't go rancid on the shelf. Sometimes it already is rancid and then they're adding flavoring so that you don't realize it's rancid. So there's a lot of things that happen on on processed store store friendly, you know, or shelf friendly um products. So and the secret with a dressing too is just use a mason jar. Okay. So you don't even have to get complicated. Do do the ratio I said, add your garlic, salt, or whatever you want to add to it, and, and then just shake it. Okay. And you're okay. done.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: Love it, man it's it's two minute dressing
1: fantastic well i may just have to make a salad tonight to go with that uh pluck seasoned ribeye dude this has been awesome and you got to come to texas and uh, if i'm ever in portland i don't know when i'll be out in the pacific northwest i told you these days uh i guess uh boulder colorado is is about as close as i get to you but if you ever come to texas we got to sync up man this has been so much fun james thank you so much brother And, uh, thank you
0: thank you and thank you all for listening and just thanks for having me it's just been such a pleasure really. all right
1: sit tight i'm going to do a sign off and then i'll say goodbye to you after i quit the recording so sit tight real quick right. hey everybody thank you so much for joining us on the jason wright show today i tell you what james congratulations on an incredible product thank you for being here and if you want to try some go out and order i'll have all the information in the show notes where you can find your all the Pluck recipes, everything. I will have it there for you. And remember, when it comes to your organ meat consumption and your food intake, do like you should do in everything, which is to improve always and always. He's James, I'm Jason, and we are out. You know, guys, I'm very fortunate because I have a very, very understanding why. For example, I just received this week... My ninth pair of Zero Shoes. I love Zero Shoes. You've got to check them out. If you have never experienced the just this superb, almost massage, it's like little angels massaging your feet while you work out when you're wearing Zero's, They are just an absolute game changer. They are as close as you can get to being barefooted, which is better for your arch, better for your foot support, better for your over. It engages more muscles. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's good for your feet. And let me tell you something. The older you get, when you're you're an old fart like me, you want a good solid foundation, and that starts with having good, healthy feet, and zero shoes helps you get there. You can go and order a pair right now and support The Jason Wright Show by going to jasonrightnow.com. Forward slash happy dash feet. That's jasonrightnow.com. Forward slash happy dash feet. So that you too can experience happy feet. I'm telling you, they're a game changer. Get some zero shoes. Now find out why Ben Greenfield, Peter Atia, all the muckety mucks of the health and wellness world wear zero shoes. And you should too. Go get you some.